on TV, online, and on Break This Heart, Say You'll Love Me Again. Ooh, wrong session. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. And we are balls deep in WCOOP. Coming up on today's show, we've got social media up the wazoo, including more suggestions for the new name of the, top, of the podcast this week. Some were not terrible. Yeah, they're kind of more in the really bad category. They're one step below terrible. But we are moving up in that category more of those this week. At this rate, w- by the time we get to December, when we actually have to make a final decision, we might actually have some mediocre ones. Right. We actually had a few this week that me and you were like, here's ones I don't hate. <laughs> uh, WCOOP results are rolling in. Matt Brown's been doing his show. The Jasons streamed the 100K. You know, I didn't realize until I actually sat down to listen to it. I thought they were doing separate streams. No, no, it was Jason and Jason together. One Jason playing, the other commentating. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So we'll talk about that a little mm. bit later on in the show. There is some Poker Hall of Fame talk coming up. As always, a little bit of beef happening there. Super fan versus Stapes. This week, I assume, won't be someone I can shamelessly flirt with. Um, I, It's a man by the name of Sean. How do you feel about flirting with a man called Sean? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll allow it. I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, and a really, really big guest uh, in the studio, not today, but a few days ago, we were yeah. able to speak to Fedor Hulls. Quite incredible. We didn't know whether Fedor was even going to play the 100K by an event. And of course he did. And of course he chopped it for more than a million dollars. But full disclosure, our interview with Fedor was recorded before that tournament was played. Right. So don't just think we're bad journalists because we didn't ask him about it. We're bad journalists for many other reasons or not journalists at all, but it just hadn't <laughs> happened yet. Uh, Fedor is actually going to play uh, one of my favorite games, WCOOP Leaderboard or Pornhub Uploader. And uh, James, do you have any idea how long this game takes to prep and how many porn tabs I leave open on my computer because I want to check them out later? I can easily believe that. Very, I mean, a very lot. easily. It's such a hard game. Like I tried to prep it right before the interview last week and I was like, had about an hour and it was not nearly long enough because I'm like, oh, I can watch this one a little longer. (laughs) This would also explain the conversation we were having off air before the record about your internet speed, Joe, and why sometimes your computer is a little bit sluggish. Yes, my computer can be a little slow sometimes. I had to go to the Mac store actually to have it checked out and um, I realized You had the tabs open, didn't you? Yes, I did. But the guy at the Mac store... (laughs) was such a pro that he knows how to like close the program without actually ma- maximizing the screen. <laughs> so he went reaching for my for my internet browser and I was like, no. And then he just like Apple cute or something and it didn't I wish I knew how to do that. But, like I'm sure it's a very easy key command, but like, you know, without having to like pop it up first and close it. He's like he's like, this was my first rodeo. Okay. I I, I know not enough now. I've seen enough people's stuff to know I don't want to see any more people's stuff. They don't call and, them geniuses for nothing. No, and I was walking around the Mac store, and I was like, you know, like, and it's packed. You've been there, right? You've had an appointment. They're like, they've got <laughs> yeah. people, like, scheduled, like, every four minutes. And people come in for, like, the dumbest problems, like, just because they have Apple Care or whatever. They just take their shit into the store. And I realized that if they wanted to cut down on wait times and the number of people coming through the Apple store, all they would have to do is just hit your computer with a black light first. Like, if that was part of the procedure, like, okay, no problem. Like, first thing is going to be the blacklight scan. No one would go in anymore. (laughs) 
an interesting theory. Like people, it, it, you'd have you'd make damn sure that you needed to bring your computer in before you started <laughs> if they're going to hit it with a black light. Um, let's get the, let's get into some social media uh, sure. unbeefs. Carl, Carl gets it. Carl's back on board. Yeah, Carl was never not on board. To be honest with you, it was a little bit unfair to put Carl in the social media beefs thing. Uh, we had a, a healthy debate and a healthy discussion with Carl, but we did not ask him to eat uh, a, a bowl of shit. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else uh, do we have more uh, brand rebrand title suggestions for the show yes we do I'm just going to rattle through these first of all I love this uh, Zavi one of our super fans who's appeared oh, on the show Zavi. begs us do not change the podcast name he wants us to keep EPT not live regardless of what the tour may be called and then five minutes later he decides to enter into the spirit of things how about the podcast formerly known as EPT not live I actually think that Xavi's suggestion to not change the name of the show is better than most of the suggestions <laughs> we've gotten. Uh, I do like the kind of back reference to the old title and the kind of like tribute to the artist formerly known as Prince, but it's probably a little bit long. And that's what I'm going to say about most of these suggestions. Regardless of what we think about them aesthetically, they're just so damn long. SEO yeah. people, SEO. Uh, Ryan, Chopped Pot Productions, <laughs> Pokerstar's Life on the Side, Pokerstar's Side Action. In fact, several people have suggested various uh, variations around the term side action. Yeah, and I that's my favorite term so far, uh, side action, because it's got a little innuendo um, and it sort of does describe what the show actually it is. You know, we. It's the back. It's the backstage stuff, but but it's the side action. It's the other things going on on tour. So that theme is my favorite. You had something you liked though that you texted me, didn't you? Uh, I do. I haven't come to those yet, Joe. I've got okay. a lot to get through here. I've got like, oh shit, still, I've just got five pages. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? Alan Dickinson suggests deuce bags or three of a kind if Matt will be a regular. I like those, but they don't say poker or anything about the brand in it. Uh, Freddie Safrizi, who will finally, hopefully, maybe be appearing in the Superfan versus Slape Stapes slot next week, says the run back with James and Stapes, or just the run back. Hashtags great too. Hashtag the run back. What? <laughs> what? What is the run back? I don't know, but it sounds good. It does. It sounds awesome. Is it like a poker term that I don't know because I'm like one of those old guys anymore who doesn't know what the run back is? Like like back raising. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Joseph, who has the best beard in poker, suggests Jamie and not Staples or Joe and the funny guy. <laughs> Andy Gibbon suggests shuffle up and spiel. Not quite sure why we work German into the title, but I don't mind it. Spiel mean, doesn't spiel mean play? Yeah, it does in German. And doesn't it sort of mean like a like a yarn in in colloquial English? No. Like a, like he gave me a spiel. He gave oh, me. Oh his... yes, yes. Oh, I get it now. I see. There's a double meaning. Ah, und yes, ich verstehe. Uh, danke sehr, Andy. Simon Baker suggests poker on the rail. Several people have suggested on the rail. I would point out there was a poker podcast about five or six years ago with that very title and I don't really want to rip them off. Uh, Skinny Love. Thinking Poker Stars. <laughs> no. Gareth Taylor. Uh, 
Genuine thanks for not pissing all over my suggestions. He suggests side action. Glenn Webber suggests behind the poker or backstage poker. Mm, what was the first one before backstage? Behind the poker. Uh, no. Craig suggests not EPT, not live. I think we've had that one already. Uh, yeah. Poker stars from the rail, too similar to on the rail, Craig. Adam, poker in the rear. Yes, this one. I was like, it's funny and I like it, but I feel like even I think it might be a little sexist. So I'm, I'm sure the company would think it's sexist. Which is why I amended it and went with poker in your face, which remains my favorite to date, which I'm going to credit to Adam, even though it's a variation on his theme. Poker in your face. That's what you like. Yeah. I don't think people would ever get that it's a change from poker in the rear. No, but it's kind of like it's poker in a part of your body. What if what if we combine the one I like and the one you like for poker on the side? Yeah, okay, we're getting somewhere. Because uh, it's not necessarily sexual. I mean, that's how most most of the time that I'm. Never mind. Okay, look, I'm gonna rattle through these three more pages. <laughs> Joe, just make noises, okay, so we can get through them quickly. Okay, Valdus, what about poker? <laughs> no. Uh, the All Poker Accepting Stapes podcast. No. Lucas Summers, Poker, Stapes, and Hartigan. No. Sergeant Poker's Lively Hearts Club, banned in the USA. Uh, that's like 2,000 characters now. Poker Stars Sideshow. That's from Tony Turner Alvarez, who has, I think, hit the 100 mark in number of suggestions tweeted. Well, that is her best yet, tied at 99th. Uh, Scott Adamson, the Poker Stars Championship Poker Podcast about poker and other things. Very funny, Todd. And finally, Andrew Ford suggests Poker Stars Championship, the add on. <laughs> uh, I, it's a no, but I like it. Okay, so those are the suggestions so far. So, what have we ended up with? Poker on the side. Poker on the side or something side action related is what I, I'm still on board with. You like poker in your face. We can put those on the shortest of short lists. Okay. Uh, are we going to take another week's worth of suggestions? I think we said end of September, right? So we'll give them yeah, another week. No. Yeah, at least another week. <laughs> in a desperate attempt to get the needle to move from barely readable to mediocre. I mean, also, I need this to take up a good 40 minutes of the show next week. I'm not really sure what else is going on. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned Todd Nissoff because he was part of social media beefs this week. Oh, dear. What has Todd done? Well, actually, I'm going to bat for you here because uh, he tweeted in legitimately curious how Stapes would have done on the All-Star quiz if Hardigan hadn't cut off his Skype call. Oh, I took that as meaning would Stapes have done any better if he'd heard the questions and uh, Robin's answers beforehand? Oh, I see. I thought Todd was like accusing you of like cheating or something. No, I think he's suggesting that... Had you heard the questions and heard Robin's answers, whether you'd still have done as badly? Oh, maybe not, but probably. That's hilarious. So you read it as a criticism of me, and I read it as a criticism of you. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's coming off social media beefs. That's great that that happened. Um, I had a slight social media beef with this dude named Harry Bo who tweeted at me and said, how come you didn't comment on the kid poker film like Hardigan? What? (laughs) <laughs> I think he's asking why you weren't one of the talking heads in the film. Oh, wham. I really can't understand these people anymore. 
Oh, I'm I don't know the answer. I am the translator, everyone. Send in your tweets, and I will translate them into plain English for Joe to understand. Uh, I I totally misunderstood that that tweet, but uh, having said that, I don't know why I wasn't in the film. Nobody asked me to. <laughs> um, probably because by that point you'd already left London, and it would have cost too much money to fly you over here. Um, I have a minor social media beef, Joe. So I Go think we, for it. let's 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 fire up the beefs theme. Um, I don't know whether you saw yesterday, but the official PokerStars EPT account put out a very nice tweet thanking <laughs> you, Matt Broughton, and supposedly me for kicking off EPT Live with a bang in Barcelona. And now to Malta. Now, point one, and I didn't even spot this at first, but someone else picked up on this. I think it was Colin <laughs> Cooper. The photograph <laughs> is of you, me, and Matt Harper. It's not <laughs> Matt Broughton, it's Matt Harper. <laughs> but the thing that leapt out to me, and the reason why I didn't even see this tweet initially, is because instead of tagging at J underscore Hartigan, they've tagged at James Hartigan, who is a guy <laughs> in Edinburgh who likes design, loves profiteroles, but believes nothing can beat TMS on a summer's day. I have no fucking idea, by the way, what TMS even is. So I decided to <laughs> passively aggressively retweet, saying, next time you might want to tag me instead of the dude in edinburgh who loves profiteroles to which wow e- ept twitter account eat a big old pile of shit to which varun very accurately points out don't you love profiteroles as well you you do love profiteroles that is true and so. also i like design so clearly james hartigan in edinburgh shares a lot of things with james hartigan down in london what if TMS is something that you do actually know and, and really like, but you can't think of what it is? Too much sun. No, you don't love that on a summer's day. I'm being told via sign language it's cricket. And if there's one thing I cannot stand, it's cricket. Wait, which do you hate more, cricket or soccer? Um, The good thing about soccer, the only good thing is that it lasts <laughs> 90 minutes. Whereas right. cricket can last for fucking days. It's the only sport in the world where they take meal breaks. They go up and eat for an hour and a half and then come back and carry on playing. I don't know. The meal break sounds about the only worthwhile part of sports. Um, I have like uh, one more social media beef that sort of leads into something. Originally, I was going to have a social media beef, a fake one. Uh, with Vanessa Selves for not asking me to host her charity tournament again <laughs> this year. But uh, let's just assume that it has only to do with the fact that I don't live in New York anymore. Um, I'm just going to assume it's that. I tweeted as a favor, uh, a friend of ours, mutual friend of me and Vanessa's was having a satellite to her charity tournament, by the way, which is called Justice is Blind. If you guys want to check it out, go play it in New York. It's really fun. Um and she said, I'm going to have a satellite to that tournament. Would you mind tweeting about it today? And uh, I did. And then Vanessa did like one of those quotey retweets where she's like, I'll show up at the end. Um, and this freaking idiot on Twitter replies, so you're not, spells you're wrong, by the way. So you're not playing in your own charity tournament? Classy. Hang on, wasn't this a satellite? Um, Exactly. And so the only reason I'm actually bringing this up on the show, because I wrote, I replied to the guy, satellite to her charity tournament genius. Engage your brain before your keyboard, you angry loser. And I only bring that up because engage your brain is something I heard our executive producer say to a guy one time. And it was fucking hilarious. Like it was super embarrassing. 
Uh, and I, I had to like look away, but I was like secretly laughing like super hard on the inside. And engage your brain is like the ultimate thing to say to someone who is a complete idiot. Like just think for one second, you moron. And I'm pleased idiot. to see that you did engage your brain because you spelt your correctly in both cases. I would never, ever, ever screw that up. Or if so, that tweet would get deleted so fast. Like, <laughs> faster than if I accidentally tweeted a picture of my wing-wang. Um, speaking of charity tournaments, though, James, I will be hosting. I'm really excited about this. Uh, I've got a crazy bunch of weeks of travel coming up. Uh, and I'm flying back the night before Daniel's big, Daniel Negreanu's big St. Jude charity tournament that he does every year. Uh, because Daniel has asked me to emcee it. And um, I'm really excited and nervous and proud about this. This is like one of the biggest charity tournaments of the year. So uh, a lot of people pay attention to this. So I'm pretty excited. Cool. And I was also uh, asked to <laughs> this young lady who works for the World Poker Tour asked me if I'd be interested in emceeing a bridge tournament. How does um, a bridge <laughs> tournament work? I have no idea. And I didn't need to get into that. Like, you know, I don't even know what bridge is. Um, because uh, I'm actually in London when she asked me to do it. But that sounds about right for my career, though, right? Doesn't it, James? Well, like you know, you are 43, <laughs> Joe. So certainly within the next five to ten years, you are I certainly going to transition from the game of poker, which is young and cool, to the game of bridge, which is for more mature players. I think it goes poker, bridge, and then bingo. Like, those scenes are better call Saul. I'm just going to be, like, <laughs> making jokes, like... B7, if you can't B8, B7, like, I don't know. <laughs> Should we well, get to the headlines, Joseph? Headline it up. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for EPT Not Live News. And we start with the nominations for the 2016 Poker Hall of Fame. Now, Joe, just to clarify, because last week you teed this up, that you were going to be involved in putting together the nominations list. I thought what we were going to be doing this week is putting names forward. But actually, the names have already been decided, and we get to assist you with how you're going to distribute your votes. Yes, and I also, I think that I was, uh, when I went to the WorldSeriesOfPoker.com this morning to look at uh, the list, I think that anyone was able to submit names. I think that there was just an open form on the website. But the 10 names, uh, including three new candidates this year, are Chris Bjorn, Umberto Brennis, Todd Brunson, Elia Lesra, Bruno Fatusi, Chris Moneymaker, Carlos Mortensen, Max Pescatore, Matt Savage, and Devilfish. Uh, the three new names this year are Todd Brunson, Elia Lesra, and Chris Moneymaker. Um in reading some of the responses to the to the names coming out, my favorite response so far has been, where's Phil Ivey? Isn't he too young? Yes. Uh, which is hilarious that people would um, angrily write this before thinking about, like, well, what's a, what's a more logical reason that Phil wouldn't be included on this list than him not being good enough to include it on the list? Uh, so speaking of that rule you just mentioned, yeah. James, the rules are, you must be a minimum of 40 years old at the time of nomination. You must have played poker against acknowledged top competition. Well, there goes me. Uh, <laughs> played for high stakes. Played consistently well, gaining the respect of peers. Stood the test of time. Or for non-players, 
contributed to the overall growth and success of the game of poker with indelible, positive, and lasting results. Okay, so that last one is interesting, that number six, because that explains how Matt Savage, for example, would appear on the list, who, of course, is a tournament director, very popular TD in the US, and I guess he's in there for the contribution he's made to the poker industry, and everyone else is listed as a player. Right, and so my opinion on this particular um point for debate in the hall of fame sort of uh sort of realm is that for someone like max savage that is some max savage jesus christ matt savage um his he certainly fulfills that final category but i don't think that you're a slam dunk to get in the same way like you know someone like daniel does their first year you know what i mean like i think that someone like matt savage could very easily get into the does deserve it at some point but you know it's like a retirement thing it's like uh he's an old man now he he needs to go in there i think there are certain people um who obviously are a slam dunk right away um a little bit of other controversy out there is that uh, donnie peters and remco are both tweeting how they're not have anything to do with this and they feel like they should probably and i i probably agree with that um, sure, but I would say that's an argument they should be having with the people who organize this process. It's not something I necessarily think you should be declaring in public. I agree. It, it did seem really whiny to me, and maybe that's because I am on the panel. And I like, but I, don't I know. think it it's quite seemed... a small panel. My understanding is it's around I think it's... 20 people. Yeah, 20. It's like the the people who are already in the Hall of Fame and then about 20 people. So Look, can uh, we just put it out there that this is not dissimilar to the goddamn poker awards? It's completely arbitrary and utterly meaningless. And yes, I, no disrespect to anyone who's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. But for heaven's sake, they've got Benny Binion in there. The guy was a murderer. So let's not, you know, start sort of treating this with too much reverence. Right, and so, and that's what I want to say about. It. Although, like, it is an honor, and every year when Seth Polanski asked me to do it, it is an honor to be to be on there. Like, it, it's ultimately, it's kind of a silly thing. It's not really worth getting worked up about. Having said that, I am on the panel that does the voting. Um, so, by I the way, thought- by the way, just I want to say put one thing out there. By the way, Joe, because last week when you said that, oh, you can all help me with the nominations. You know, I genuinely started writing down names. What were the two names you think I wrote down? Isai Scheinberg. Correct. Um, John Duffy. Correct. Spot on. Um, yeah. And so that's another thing. That's what I want to say that like, you know, it's called the Poker Hall of Fame. But what they really mean is sort of the America Caesars Entertainment. Mm, yeah. Poker let's be Hall clear. It's the World Series of Poker Hall of Fame. Uh, very right. much biased towards that. I guess the biggest controversy and the biggest question is going to relate to Chris Moneymaker. Because if we look at number six and talk about contributing to the overall growth and success of the game of poker with indelible, positive and lasting results, he ticks that box in a huge way. Everything changed when he won the World Series main event. However, can you say that he has played consistently well? Can you say that he's had consistent results? Has he gained the respect of his peers? Has he stood the test of time as a player? I'm not sure, but as an ambassador, as a man who completely transformed the public perception of the game, yes, he deserves to be in there. Uh, Yeah, I think that he hits enough of those other categories and absolutely crushes one of them um, to the point where it's just he is. I don't don't know if he's a first year. I don't really care either way, but like he's a slam dunk to be in the Poker Hall of Fame, like an absolute slam dunk. Like there's just no... I don't care what he does not 
fulfill of those things. He fulfills one of them so freaking hard, and none of us would be here if, if it weren't for him. Chris Moneymaker is the acceptable face of the online poker boom, and we're not actually going to credit any of the other people behind it, then I'm all for him going in this year. Yeah, no, and I wouldn't have an issue with him going in this year either. It was actually um, Madiso tweeted uh, a the big argument against moneymakers is moneymaker one tourney one max okay well should i read it with all madison's typos i'll try to interpret what he said um basically saying he just won one tournament he's a good tourney player never played hard limit high limits carlos yes best no limit player of our time and i actually have a question do you are you guys aware of carlos mortensen in the uk and just how insane and sick of a a player he really is and how little he plays mortensen has obviously been a regular on the ept in addition to the american circuit obviously known as a european champ of the world series main event still having results to this day I, i would say that he's He's obviously one of those people who flies under the radar to a certain extent because he doesn't court publicity in the same way that some others do. But yeah, yeah, based on his actual play ability and results, I'd say he's a contender for sure. Okay. I I mean, I thought being that I am American centric and I got my start at the WSOP and world poker tours, I think that he's like a, like a should have been a first year. uh, And, but like I said, in a worldwide scheme, he doesn't quite have that same, sort of uh, legend overseas. Uh, Daniel tweeted his list today of the biggest names he thought were left off. Uh, James, he said David Chu, Huck Seed, John Duthie, David Oppenheim, Ray Dekagani, Isai Scheinberg, Jeff Lissandro, John Hennigan. All excellent uh, points. All excellent yeah, suggestions. Yeah, really great suggestions and sort of, you know, and I, I don't really know what the answer to this is other than maybe that a few more than two or three people should get in every year like do you think there's an answer for this or is this is part of it this is just like hey like we're gonna have some names left off and that's what keeps people talking about it and keeps it interesting yes of course it is there's nothing like controversy to ignite debate and debate brings attention to something and attention creates publicity and it fans the flames in the same way that we have the same conversations around the european poker awards and the same conversations about yeah. around the american poker awards you can't give prizes to everyone some people are going to get left off and ultimately it's subjective it's arbitrary and there's not a right or a wrong answer but it creates a healthy debate i still maintain look if we're talking about the poker hall of fame once isai scheinberg's picture is on that wall come back to me but until then i'm sorry i can't take it seriously i just don't see his name on that list anywhere though it's weird it's bizarre like they it's like almost as if it's been left off on purpose. Yeah. Uh, one person, by the way, who <laughs> I think will be a guaranteed. Um, well, I say that. I guess you've got to stand the test of time. I'm just thinking that, you know, Fedor Holtz is someone who has had phenomenal results in a short period of time. Consistent results over a two to three year period. Are we saying that he has to continue until the age of 40, that for the next 17 years he's got to keep it up in order to be considered for the Poker Hall of Fame? He could just retire until 40. Yeah, I'm going to say that after taking down that super roller in the W Coop, I think there's a pretty good chance that he will not be staying in the shadows for long. Uh, we managed to track him down a few days ago. So yes, an interview with Fedor Holtz now on EPT Not Live that was conducted before that W Coop event took place. So right now, we welcome to EPT Not Live, the man, the myth, the legend, Fedor Holtz. Hello. 
Hey. Hi, Fedor. Now, normally, hey. when we try and schedule interviews for EPC Not Live, we have to work around the poker calendar. And at this time of year, normally we'd be working around the WCOOP schedule. But in your case, we have to work around your skydiving appointment. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to do it uh, last month, but then there was bad weather, unfortunately. So now we moved it to today and I do it in exactly one hour. So let me get this right. You were going to throw yourself out of a perfectly good airplane. Exactly. Right. Fedor, um, what, I mean, what's your nervousness level right now? Are you sweating this at all? Or do you, is this something you like really want to do and you're all, you're all about it? Um, I'm height frightened. So I'm, I think I get nervous when I get there. Right now, I'm not that nervous. I feel like it's because it's that high, you don't really are that scared. Um, but yeah, let's see about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this? Um, I always wanted to do it, and it's amazing. Like it's it's here in, in Austria, so it's great landscape. Um, I know, just just always wanted to do it. At the risk of asking an obvious question, is there a parachute, or are you just going to land in a giant pile of your own money? <laughs> No, it's going to be with a parachute. <laughs> okay, that's good. Because basically, um, Joe and I were talking about who should we get on the show during WCOOP, and we thought, oh yeah, there was that guy who won WCOOP a couple of years ago, Fedor Holtz. He hasn't done anything since, so it'd be a good idea to kind of get him on the line and find out what he's been up to. <laughs> that's actually, uh, I'm glad James brought that up. Do you remember, James, obviously, like, we knew who, a little bit about Fedor before he won that WCOOP main event, but then he did, what was that, like, three years ago No, it was now? 2014. It was two years ago. And the thing I remember about it, Fedor, is bear in mind, we mainly cover live poker. And for yeah. us, we generally know players by their real name rather than an online handle. But with you, it was kind of the reverse. To, to me, you'll always be crown up guy first and Fedor Holt second, because <laughs> that, to me, was the first big score we saw you win. It was the first big tournament we saw you win. And I, I'll always remember that being, I guess, the start of something big, something that started and still hasn't finished. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it went really like a dream, kind of. I mean, it was the right order, and I kind of could finish with online and then concentrate on live, and then live everything went absurdly well. So it's, yeah, I don't know, it's just, it just went really well, and I'm really happy the way it went. What was life like for you before that WCOOP main event? Like, I assume you were a winning player already. Um, actually, I think the changing point in my online career was a year before that, like a little over a year before that. Um, and I, I think at the time when I won WCOOP, I was already doing pretty well online and had a couple of um, five and six digit scores. So I, I think like from actually... I didn't have too much action myself because I did a mistake. Like I, I forgot about uh, action that I gave away. So I had a lot less than I thought I had. So it wasn't actually such a big, uh, such a huge deal in terms of um, like, like making profit. But um, it wasn't like an overselling type situation, right? You didn't like lose money on the deal. No, no, but it was, uh, it was close. <laughs> wow, really? I, yeah, I sold action and I forgot that I had swaps with other people. Whoops. And then, so day two, people are writing me and I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, and then I realized that I have like uh, a lot less percentage of myself than I thought I had. But I don't know, it was fine. I, I still made a good profit and I made a lot of other good friends profit. So that was fine. 
See, that's amazing to me because, like, I'd be like, well, I'll never win anything ever again. This was a major fuck up on my part. But all you, you're like, okay, I'm just going to go uh, and not make those same mistakes again and win a million other more tournaments. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It can all go the other way around as well. So it's, I think I'm happy the way everything went down. Well, I mean, you mentioned that like things could go the other way. Is are you prepared for the run good to end? Like, if you never won another tournament, are you going to be one of those guys who's going to be in makeup again in a couple of years, or are you going to be all set? I mean, right now, I don't think this will happen to me. But I mean, even back in the days, like if I look at my results, um, obviously I had downswings. Um, everyone does. It's just I think about how. Like, it's very important how you carry yourself um, while it's not going that well. And I definitely also had times when I struggled. Like, last year, live poker wasn't actually going that well. I mean, it's when you have a lot of sixth, seventh places, um, and they look nice, you know, and you hand them up where you cash for, like, 300K. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, like, five buy-ins, and you don't have much action of yourself. And, um, I mean, I played a lot of tournaments, so... Even if it looks, you know, like you cash a lot, you pro probably means that you're still losing money. So uh, I had a stretch of like a couple of months, like half a year or something, where it wasn't going that well. And um, I think it is just important that you try to improve through these times and just like have a positive attitude, have good people around you, and uh, just believe in yourself that you can like eventually um, do well. Um, just so, speaking of uh, believing in yourself, do you think that you will ever stop selling pieces? Like, do you have a hundred percent of your own action at this point? Uh, most of the time, I do. I it really depends on the buy, and I don't like. I don't know how what kind of crazy stuff they'll put out there in the in the future. But I mean, I already said that I'm not going to continue like anywhere near playing as much volume as I used to. And um, I, I think right now is the time where I'll um, find out a, about a lot of different things to do and um, like get a little more into startups, see if I can find some area that really interests me. Um, yeah, doing some self-study, like other things that I always wanted to do but never really had the time for because I was so into poker. Isn't there part of you, Fedor, that just wants to just sit on a beach and just think, I'm probably made for life, and I don't even need to do anything anymore? I don't think anyone really has that part in himself for too long of a time. Like, no one... I, I don't know anyone that really likes to do nothing all the time. Um, <clears throat> I think... I think you... Um, even if you don't do much, you still want to have some kind of some kind of passion for something or some kind of purpose or something that you can put, you know, your, your time, um, that, that you can like work on. And even if it's just a hobby or something like I can understand that after working a lot, um, you get this feeling that you rather want to take some time off. But for me personally, it was like every time it was like this, that when now, I mean, now I didn't play poker for four weeks after Vegas. And then I, Got like I played Barca, played four tournaments there, so I didn't play much there either, uh, in terms of tournaments. And um, then online, I just like I, I think I played three W Coupe tournaments so far. So I will really keep it 
low in terms of poker, but I mean, other things will fill this gap pretty quickly. And uh, I think if you're excited about a lot of different things or get quickly excited, and I think I'm one of these person that is just, I just like a lot of different things and get into different things and just listen to people that have interesting stuff to tell. What's exciting you right now? What What are you passionate about right now? Right now, I think I'm still looking out for different things, but there are some exciting opportunities coming up. I have, um, I'm involved in, in a, in a, like, is that how you say textile company? Like that produce uh, hoodies and stuff. Yep. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's actually pretty amazing. It's, um, it's called no ATICS. It's already, it's, it's mainly for poker players right now, but, um, always room to expand. Like what we do is we do individually, tailor-made hoodies right now and I already got one I wore it at the WSOP final table um, and we are still constantly improving like picking picking um, like cotton picking new colors like new patterns and changing the design so it's mainly like really for poker players it has like hidden pockets it's like a little longer arms like good good hoods James they're gonna have Fedor's gonna have like the Savile row of hoodies he's gonna have like an old man come to EPT stops, measure people up out in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. So Fedor, as you move away from grinding poker full-time to pursue these other interests, I have to ask, are you now utterly bored of all of the retirement slash recreational player jokes that the poker media are doing to death right now? I don't know. I, at first I thought it's funny, but then like I, I'm really questioning who's still, you know, like still making the same joke over and over again. <laughs> like... I mean, it's more, it was more meant as a joke in general. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was just funny with like the whole one drop thing around and it also being somewhat true. And I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's, it, it was funny. And it, it was also great for my mindset because for me personally, I mainly did it to make sure that I, I keep, like, I don't come back because I really don't want to come back to be honest like I know that I want to make sure that I don't play poker because if I don't play poker the time will get filled by other stuff immediately like it's just if you if I really force myself okay I'm not going to play today then I have to do something else and then it's just something else happens and like I meet someone and he tells me about something else and then I get into something new and it's just exciting and and great oh man I've got so many businesses that I'm going to pitch to Fedor as soon as this interview is over (laughs) let me tell you I mean, Fader, you said that you played four events in Barcelona. One of those was the 50K Super High Roller. And I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast saw the live stream of that final table. We're currently in the process of making the TV show and just putting together some notes for that show. Just looking at the stats, I mean, they are insane. Joe, this guy has won six high rollers in the space of six months leading up to Barcelona. One of them was a 200k buy-in, two of them 100k buy-ins. We're talking about 14 million in live tournament winnings in 2016 leading up to Barcelona. Fedor, do you put that down to proverbial run good or do you think you were literally at the top of your game? Um... I personally think the top of my game I've been like last year, somewhere around summer. Um, I think I'm still a good player. I think mainly what I improved that is the life presence and just like not caring too much. That is really helpful. Although it sounds it sounds weird, it is really a huge advantage. I personally 
think that um, the way my decision making works and like high rollers uh, just became so much so much better because I I wasn't too attached to the tournament anymore. Like I didn't feel oh. like it was something too crazy to do right now and like being at the final table just wasn't something that ridiculous anymore. And it's just you you create such a huge edge on the other players that are nervous or um, don't really feel comfortable or it's like about a lot of money and uh, when you have this in your head, it just changes something the way you play and the way you behave because it's not like the typical situation for them anymore. And then you just have an edge in a situation where they don't feel comfortable and I really felt comfortable. And I think especially in Barcelona, um, I could tell the difference um, by a lot is that people just didn't really, they were just like, they make jokes about it as if like they say, oh, you're going to win it anyway or like, you know, but I think it's in their head for, you know, for uh, <laughs> most of the most of the game is that like they just, you know, I just run too good. They can't beat me kind of thing, which is irrational, but it, it helps. It also sounds like Fedor Hulse gives zero fucks and that's what makes him have a slight edge at the final table. <laughs> I mean, I think it matters. I think it really matters. I think believing because it is so tough, like if you play a 50,000 Euro tournament, that is live streamed, you know, and a lot of people are watching and, you know, your shareholders are watching and like all that stuff is like the pressure is a lot different. And I just didn't have that pressure. It's like, I just felt like I can't, you know, I, I trust in my abilities. I know that, I, I mean, I've done this before. I, I know that I can win these kind of tournaments and I didn't have anyone that I was like, oh, you know, how would this look if I do it like this? And I just could... It, I just could follow my intuition and I think there are a lot of things in life poker that um, you can access if you follow your intuition. All right, Fedor, I'm going to put some pressure on you right now. You want to play a little game with us real quick before we cut you loose? <laughs> sure, let's go. All right, I'm going to bring you back to your WCUBE roots. This game is called WCUBE Leaderboard or Pornhub Uploader. <laughs> Now, as you know, there's a big prize attached to winning the WCUBE leaderboard this year. It's like worth $40,000. Uh, what I've done is I have scoured the top 200 names on that WCUBE leaderboard and pulled a bunch out of them, as well as gone to my favorite porn site, Pornhub, and pulled some uploader names off of there. I'm going to read your name. All you have to do is tell me whether the name comes from the WCUBE leaderboard or if they're a Pornhub uploader. <laughs> Got it? Okay. Got it. All right, here we go. Name number one. Blanco Negro, WCUBE leaderboard or Pornhub uploader? WCUBE. Correct. One for one. Name number two. Perfect one, two, three, two. Um, WCUBE. Also correct. He is two for two. Name number three. Leo 84X. Uh, I don't know him, so I go with the Pornhub. Pornhub is correct. That was the uploader of Reverse Cowgirl Cream Pie Compilation. Question number four. Mad Dog Eric. Don't know him either, so go for the Pornhub. That one is incorrect. He finally got one wrong. He is, he is tied for 57, 52nd on the WCOOP leaderboard. Vakwa 01. What? Vakwa? Vakwa 01. Yeah, Pornhub. Pornhub is correct. <laughs> Nader two X, N A A D E R two X. 
Uh, yeah, Pornhub. Pornhub is correct. Man, Fedor, you are good at this. Uh, let's go with Master Masher. Yeah, and it has to be doubly Coop. Incorrect. That is Stomach and Pussy really? Shot Compilation 5. No way. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do three more. C, Moose Power. Yeah, W Coop. W Coop is correct. 101114420. Um, w Coop. Correct. W Coop. That's 114th on the W Coop leaderboard. And finally, Frogman 22. Uh, that's tough. That's a tough one. I go with the Pornhub. Pornhub is correct. Fader Holtz, you went nearly perfect there. I think you only got one wrong, right, James? Two wrong. I've got you at eight and two, yeah. which I think is the best anyone's ever scored in one of Joe's games. Unsurprising, Fader, the run good continues. The streak lives on. <laughs> awesome. I mean, that was, that was actually like, that was a great game. We should play this more often. <laughs> No problem. You come on and play anytime you want. It's amazing, by the way. I wanted to mention this. Like when Fedor won W Coop and he came on, remember he came on EPT Live? We we're like, yeah, we yeah. should have this Fedor guy on. And now we're like, oh my God, do you think we could get him? Do you think he'll say yes? Do you think we could get him? <laughs> yeah, you got lucky. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. And just before we go into the lobby, Joe, and talk about forthcoming W Coop events, can we just say all that money won and Fedor can't pay for a better internet connection? Boo. I don't know. It's probably hard on his private island he was likely talking to us from. <laughs> so, yes, WCOOP continues. I am hoping, by the way, Joe, that next week, when we preview the WCOOP main event, we can get Felix Schneiders from Team Pro Online to come on the show. Because I know he's been doing a lot of the Twitch streams with Matt, which we're going to break down in just a moment. So I'm hoping that Felix can help us preview the main event and also talk about how the WCOOP's been going for him over the last few days. Was it the game with Fedor that made you think of Felix's online handle, XFlix? <laughs> no, it was completely apropos of that, but doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, this coming weekend, let's talk about forthcoming W Coops. Uh, the special edition of the Sunday Million, which is the event that we normally focus on, is not a cheap one. $2,100. No limit holder. For the Sunday Million? Yeah, special edition of the Sunday Million. So chances are that one may be out of a lot of people's bankrolls, of course. That's like a Step L ticket. There are satellites into that WCOOP event, <laughs> event number 54. Um, more affordable and the price of a normal Sunday Million would be WCOOP 52. This takes place on Sunday the 18th of September, uh, a little bit earlier in the day, at 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. So that's early afternoon in Europe or mid-afternoon in Europe. Uh, it is a special edition of the Sunday warm-up, so $215, no limit hold on, with up to two re-entries available during the registration period, at $1 million guaranteed. So I think we've got another two weeks of WCOOP, and of course the main event taking place the following weekend, which hopefully we can preview with Felix. But right now, let's talk about some of the work that Felix has been doing, and the streams that the Jasons have been doing as well, as we do a WCOOP Twitch recap. TV recap. Yeah, all right. First of all, I, I, James, my work wife, have you been cheating on me with Matt? Did I hear you say you were in the studio with him? I popped him very briefly just to say hello. Um, oh, so you're kind of like, uh, I don't know, like Daredevil showing up in Jessica Jones for a second? Daredevil didn't appear in Jessica Jones. It was Rosario Dawson who made the cameo appearance. Uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I didn't finish Jessica Jones. I don't watch shows about girls. No, seriously, I was walking along the <laughs> corridor, right? And uh, Matt just saw me through the glass and like called me in. So I sat down. He was in between guests. So we had a little chat. Um, the one thing I do love about these Twitch replay streams is the informality. And to be honest with you, Matt is getting away with murder. If anyone actually knew what was <laughs> going on air right now, I doubt they'd be allowed to continue. Whether it's pretzel avatars or uh, the sound effects, the soundboard he's got. A lot more sophisticated, I have to say, Joe, than the uh, rudimentary end-of-the-pier boxes that you bring to EPT Live. He's got an iPad, he's got a proper app, and he's using licensed music and well-known clips from movies but apparently on twitch you can get away with it yeah i've heard the same thing so uh hey good for him that's uh it sounds like a lot of fun yeah he's having enormous fun and basically these streams are just reviewing some of the final tables they're replays of the final tables of wcoop events with cards up uh, matt's had a lot of guest analysis from members of team online we mentioned felix andre coimbra kevin martin and look they're just really fun shows to watch and matt's able to kind of keep up with the audience uh, in the chat box answer questions read comments there's no delay of course because it's not live it's a replay of the final table and that means it's a fully immersive interactive experience and uh, were you fully immersed? Did you become a pretzel? Uh, I did not. But I think these continue for some time. I think Matt's going to be stuck in that box for the next couple of weeks. Well, good for that. He's got some new beehive to build or something like that. I don't know. He's, he could use the money, I think. Um, what, uh, is he doing the 100K for his own stream too? Like a, no. a replay of the... I'll okay. tell you why. Because obviously there was the live stream that the Jasons did on Sunday... And then Felix hosted a stream of the final table, which granted was cards down, but they just feel that kind of most people watched it live. It was such a big event. We said last week that this is the one W Coop that all the Railbirds were going to be kind of like really excited about. And look, I was excited about it as well. And uh, I, you watched some of the Jason and Jason stream as well, right? I did. I went back and watched it after I saw what happened, though, in the actual main event, because uh, I think they were done. Uh, I, by the time I tuned into the real live thing, um, which was on day two. So I didn't watch them live, but I watched it afterward. It was really, I kind of like Tarantino the thing. Um, the first thing I noticed was that, like, I think I tuned in when they were like, when I live live, when they were like four handed and I, ca I was on the client and I was like, stupid client update. Like, why doesn't it tell me like whatever, what it paid out? Like what? <laughs> it paid like seventh, sixth, fifth, fourth. Like, why didn't it tell me what those paid out? Like, what? It's just stupid. Is it like? Is it like a secret because it was such a big buy-in? And then I realized it was because like the bubble was like four-handed. Exactly. Only the top three got paid. Like um, that's so sick. I mean, if we're going to start with the final table and start with Felix's Twitch stream of that, I started watching from the very beginning. And from the word go, it was clear that this was going to go Fedor's way. There was a key hand, Joe, very early on, which gave Fedor the chip lead six-handed and actually saw him eliminate the first player from that final table. A gentleman by the name of Fish2013. By the way, that is just how many people want to have the name Fish on PokerStars. <laughs> when this guy registered, there were already 2012 players called Fish. And this guy opened his account back in 2002. Yeah, there was a lot of... Fish was a very popular name back in the early 2000s. But yeah, Fedor got to see a cheap flop out of the blinds with King Deuce. And uh, it's a King High flop, King Queen X flop. And this guy's got aces. 
and obviously he bets flop. Fedor calls with top pair. Fedor improves to two pair on the turn when a deuce comes, and he rivers a boat when another deuce comes, and basically the guy bets pretty much all of his stack on the river. Fedor then check raises enough to put him all in. The guy calls off the extra 10k and gets well and truly Fedored and is out in sixth. Fedor has the chip lead, held that chip lead throughout three-handed play until it got heads up when he was the underdog. However, they did a chip chop. Fedor got more than a million, and then it was over very quickly after that. But yes, the day before had been the uh, first day of this 100k event when we were all railing, when we were all sweating Jason Mercier, who was playing with his cards up on a 15-minute delay, with Jason Somerville sat next to him commentating. Joe, just to give you an idea of how popular this stream was, the second most watched poker stream in the history of Twitch, the most watched poker stream on Twitch this year, and was the most watched stream on the entire Twitch platform for at least 90 minutes. It ran for about four and a half hours on Sunday night. That is huge! Wow, that's incredible. I didn't. I, I read the press release this morning, and until I had read that, I didn't realize that it, it was that popular. Um, now I was going to say, an- I was going to say that it's because this was naturally what Twitch is built for, which is a guy playing for high stakes. We're watching it from a first-person perspective with his cards up, with great analysis. But actually, it's because of the dog. That's why they got the views. We need pets, Joe. We need to get animals on our stream. That's how we're going to build an audience like that. So you don't think it had anything to do with a guy playing for $204,000 of his own money? No, it's the dog. <laughs> well, I was going to say, there's. I mean, can you, can you imagine uh, what those two guys would be capable of if they had any chemistry together whatsoever? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I uh, I watched Jason and Jason do this stream together, and it was super funny. Like, did Jason Mercer, like, was he, like, staying at Jason Somerville's house? I'm assuming that Jason went to stay with Jason. Sorry, make it clear. <laughs> Somerville went to stay with Mercer because he's the one playing. So I'm guessing that he would want to be in his own environment, his own milieu. No, but it was like a studio setup, and, and Mercer doesn't have one of those. No. Like I'm, it seemed it seemed like Jason Somerville was very comfortable in the surroundings. It really seemed like we're, that's where. Look, I'm kind of giving away some things here that I don't maybe watch Jason's uh, Somerville stream all that often. I think they're in the run wherever they do run it up. Right, but whatever. Anyway, uh, I didn't realize that at the start of this tournament, um, there were only nine people who registered and I watched like the first two hours of their four hour stream. Uh, it was on a 15 minute delay and listening to Jason and Jason try to pronounce, uh, people's names and stuff is hilarious because like, (laughs) it's like two people that, you know, aren't exactly like if it weren't for poker, seems like maybe would not have ever traveled outside of the United States. Um, so there was a pretty funny moment where they're trying to figure out how to say the word chow. Uh, apparently, Doug Polk was doing his own commentary because I saw people. So when you rewatch the, the when you watch the replay on Twitch, James, the yeah. chat scrolls alongside. Um, so and I there's saw nothing people- you can do about it, right? You can't you can't ban people. You can't mute people. You can't even tell them that they're wrong. Yes, I know. It's just hilarious because a few times I like reached for my keyboard. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, oh wait, this is a replay. Shit. Um, I did want to give a quick shout out. 
to the mods in our channel who are like seem pretty awesome um, with just staying on top of trolls. Yes, but also just genuinely answering the right questions. Yeah, uh, have good information. They're poker fans. They know what they're talking about. So I noticed that there were a lot of really cool um, moments just where the mods are like actually taking care of the listeners, which I thought was very cool. Uh, one thing I noticed uh, is that eventually I kind of thought that these two were perfect together, but not before uh, Jason Mercier went on this crazy racist tirade. Here, I'll play it for you. Why not four color decks? You're just the classic kind of guy. Yeah, classic theme. I don't like, uh, you know, growing up, I always played cards. There was red cards, black cards. <laughs> that's you it. Know? Yeah. That's it. They started throwing green cards in there, blue cards, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. Now, Jason Mercier is a man after my own heart. My thoughts on the four-color deck have already been uh, well-documented on this podcast, and I'm pleased to see that Jason Mercier is in the same camp. Back in my day, there were two colors of cards, and that was it. Things were better <laughs> back then. Things were simpler. Um, yeah, and so, then eventually says the man who described the four-color deck as like the kindergarten deck or the, or the special kids <laughs> deck. I don't like the four-color deck either. Um, and I, even though I joked earlier about them not having any chemistry, um, I eventually thought that these two, they were perfect together. This is the moment, my favorite moment between the two of them was this, this right here. Next, we're going to be a 200k super high roller, says Mod Dellen 95. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if you like just, yeah. And so, let's just isolate that laugh again for a second because it really, go ahead and play that laugh again. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's so obviously the two of them were channeling Beavis and Butthead. Uh, during during their little <laughs> moment there. <laughs> and I wanted to watch the entire four hours uh, so I could get some more of that. But unfortunately, you know, I had, you know, uh, Narcos to watch. So no. how are you getting on with Narcos, by the way? Because I have issues. Um, I'm almost done. I'm, I'm like, I think I'm up to episode eight or something. Okay. What, are your, what I, are your issues? I'm only halfway through the season, but I'm actually for once going to use your argument about burning story. Yeah. The first season covered 13 years of Pablo Escobar's life. This season covers about three weeks. Yeah, this I would agree that it's like not really moving as fast well, as, it, as it could be. Look, I mean, look, John in the other room is like, no spoilers, no spoilers. John, this is a true story. Spoiler alert, <laughs> Pablo Escobar gets shot. That's how the story that, ends. And it oh, only shit, happened. I didn't know that either. It only happened about three weeks after he escaped from La Catedral. Maybe it was close to three months. Point being, they have tried to make a season out of a very short period of time. The reason why the first season was so good is it was covering so much. This is covering so little. And they're making up stuff. There's so many stories in there that didn't actually happen to string it out over 10 episodes. I remember you actually saying that um, when the first season ended, you were like, um, where are they going to go with this in season two? I didn't look. I didn't know that Pablo Escobar got shot and I didn't know that he got shot mere less than a month after the, the first season ended. Um, so I also, had I known that, would have wondered where they were going in season two. Well, I apologize if I have uh, spalt this for you. I, I mean, I, I assumed that everyone knew the story. 
I don't think it's unfair for you to assume that. I just once I realized I didn't know it, I had been avoiding knowing it. But I could I could have known. Here's the look. Here's the reality. It's clear that once the Medellin cartel is destroyed with Escobar out the picture, the other people are going to appear and take over. That's where I saw the second season going. I figured this was going to be a bit like House of Cards. You remember with the trailer for season two where they made it look like it was going to be more of the relationship uh, between Kate Mara and Kevin Spacey. And then in episode one, Kate Mara's yeah. gone. And that's a huge shock. It happens in the very first episode. I naively thought that Narcos was going to pull the same trick. We were going to lose Escobar very early on, like episode one or two. And season two was going to be about what happened next. You think you've defeated the enemy. You think you've solved the problem. But actually, you've created a whole new wave of problems. And by breaking up the Medellin cartel, a whole new host of wannabe Escobars appear, and suddenly you're fighting wars on about 20 fronts instead of on one. Well, yeah, and so it, something like that does start to develop later, but you're right. If it, I mean, if they're really stretching three weeks out into eight, you know, seven episodes or eight episodes... I'm exaggerating that's, that's when cheap. I say three weeks, but it's a very, very short time frame. And sure. it just... I really feel that this season is dragging, and I'm not enjoying watching it. And it's something that you've brought up with other shows the last few weeks, which I didn't necessarily agree with. But here, I think your argument is so spot on that having commissioned a third and a fourth season... they you just don't want to burn story wait there's four seasons of this they've commissioned another two can you imagine if they that he still doesn't die by the end of season three? Oh, i'm confident that we're moving <laughs> on i'm confident that we're gonna have a new villain or a new cast of characters over the course of the next couple of seasons there's uh you know there's another guy i guess who must have come after escobar that i must have been confusing him with the guy that like escaped from like every single jail they ever put him in um, and they only like got him very recently. I think finally, that's why I was confused. I thought Escobar was like might, maybe even still alive right now. By the way, the only reason anyway. the only reason I know the Pablo Escobar story is that you might remember the Bond film License to Kill, which was basically based on Pablo Escobar, the villain in that, Fran Sanchez, played by Robert Darvey. And so I basically read up on Escobar because I was interested in like the real life drug kingpin who had inspired this larger than life Bond villain. You know who is real, real life, James? Who's that? This week's super fan. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's super fan versus Stapes. So another chance for one of our listeners to win a Step C ticket worth 27 euros and an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. This week, we go down the road from Pokestars HQ here in London to Sean McCarthy. Hi there, Sean. Hi, how's it going, guys? Is Sean really down the road, James? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Sean, for my own personal amusement and anyone else familiar with the city of Londinium, what part of London are you actually from? Uh, I'm, I'm near uh, Beckenham, uh, kind of bordering on Kent, like Bromley Way. Okay, so basically you're pretty much a Kent resident rather than a Londoner. But I know yeah. the area. It's not, you're not that far away, for sure. Oh, man, I hate it when people do that to me. I was like, yeah, I live in New York. And they're like, what part? I'm like, Jersey City. And they're like, that's not New York. That's what James is, Jersey City, do you? <laughs> yeah, Beckham is kind of Jersey out there. Can I be. love David Beckham, though. Is that where he's from, the soccer player? <laughs> uh, 
fair enough. Beckenham, but whatever. Um, okay, well, let's spend it like Beckenham. <laughs> what do you do, what do you do out there, Sean? Uh, I uh, sell travel insurance Tra- uh, for uh, like uh, for people going on vacation. Yeah, pretty much. That sounds Old like a fa- tough families. Job. And, yeah, it's, it's on the phones all day, so it's a bit. Yeah, it just gets a bit repetitive and. It's no, it's no fun, but you know. Where do you get your Where do you get your leads from? No, no, they call us. So it's always. Oh, you don't even. In. He doesn't have to get no, the old no, Glenn no Gary call, leads, James. No call, call in. No, no, you got to sort out your travel insurance, Joe. You got to sort it out yourself. You got to, you got to make the call. So, Sean, when you said initially about taking part in the show that you might have to take a couple of hours off work, we were concerned that you might be abandoning a patient in their hospital bed or abandoning planes coming into land at Heathrow. But no, if for two hours people have to wait in line in a call center to get travel insurance, I think we can live with that. They can go online. They can go online. Just. No, I'm that's surprised. your livelihood. <laughs> then you don't want, you don't want to be replaced by a computer. I don't like the job anyway, so. <laughs> hey, let's get Sean fired. Here we go. We're gonna make yeah. this the first four-hour-long Superfan versus Stapes. I was gonna say we did get that impression from the unenthusiastic way you talked about your job that it might not be your passion in life. Uh, is, travel insurance is I guess. poker your passion, Sean? It's up there. Um, I don't know what the passion is, but p- poker's pretty. Uh, pretty up there okay well let's try and let's try and increase that passion by giving you the chance to work your way up through the steps to play an ept quick shout out by the way to a former super fan scuff uh, joe you might remember that scuff beat you in a game of ept skit trivia and scuff won with the step c ticket so step d is next will he be the first player to qualify for an ept via the show scuff did have a really bad bad lookalike though saying that sean deeb looks like ben affleck uh no okay uh so your specialist subject sean is the films of kevin smith uh yeah i love them i love the movies i love them i love the guy on twitter and the podcast as well as you guys and your podcast sean how old are you uh 28 you're 28 so you were like a little young for the kevin smith movies because i think he was too young, young yeah yeah, it was a big deal when I was in high school. Ball Rats, I think, uh, was the f- the first or second movie uh, I saw. But that was that was like my anthem. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, really hit home some of the stuff. <laughs> so, Joe, do you think this is going to be a close fought contest? Do you think your knowledge of Kevin Smith's movies is pretty on point? Well, I think that Sean's got one advantage in that because he's younger, he's almost certainly seen the movies more recently than I have. Because um, I probably haven't seen them since I was in my early twenties. What which fucking was a, difference a would it make if you watched them yesterday? You still wouldn't remember them. Well, probably not, not, not that much, but but a little bit more than I do now. <laughs> uh, Sean, we're back to the format that we normally employ, uh, where you're not going to be answering the same questions. I've got ten multiple choice questions, numbered odd and even. So you get okay. to choose whether you take the odd or even questions. In other words, whether you go first or second. Uh, I'll, I'll let Joe go first. Okay, let's get the game underway. Superfan versus States. So, Joe, question one. The first round, by the way, the first two questions relate to the movie Clarks. How many men does Veronica reveal she fellated before Dante? Is it 36, 37, 38, or 39? 37. Incorrect. Dante was number 37, so the answer was actually 36. Fuck. Your question about the movie, Sean. Randall 
claims video store customers always pick the most intellectually devoid movies. Which Charlie Sheen film do we then see a customer select? Is it Terminal Velocity, The Rookie, Navy Seals, or Young Guns? Uh, it's got to be uh, ooh, Navy Seals. It is indeed. <laughs> and Sean, you are on the board. Uh, the next round, more rats. So, Joe, how well do you remember this movie, or rather, how much do you know about it? Your question, which of the following actors did Universal Studios not suggest for the role of Brody, eventually played by Jason Lee? Seth Green, Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, or Chris Farley? Mike Myers. Incorrect. It was Seth Green, who, ironically, they wanted to play the part of Jay. (laughs) Okay. And your question about Morat's Sean, which film director was going to make a cameo appearance as an irate customer, but was written out at the last minute? Was it John Melius, John Hughes, John Carpenter, or John Landis? Wow. Um, damn. I'm going to say John Hughes, because I know Smith loves John Hughes, and but I don't know if he... Had he died by that point? I... No, he was still alive, and it would seem like the logical answer, because Morat's is like an ode to John Hughes movies, but actually the answer was John Landis. Uh, We Uh, move on to the next round, which is Dogma. Joe, how does Metatron describe God to Bethany? Huge but kind, lonely but funny, scary but hairy, awesome but introverted. Lonely but funny. Correct, for a point, and we have a tied game. Your question about the movie Dogma, Sean. Which actress did Kevin Smith have issues working with and later revealed he wished he hadn't cast her? Alanis Morissette, Janine Garofalo, Salma Hayek, or Linda Fiorentino? Um... Oh, she made... She played the fame one, Bethany. Which one? Linda Fiorentino. Correct. Meaning you are 2-1 up with... My favourite, uh... My favorite story about Dogma, by the way, is that um, when the movie was coming out because it was about religion, like there were picketers at a lot of places and Kevin Smith used to go out and join them with a sign that says Dogma is dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got two rounds to go. The next movie we will be discussing is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Joe, your question, which Ben Affleck movie does Jay profess to be a huge fan of? Phantoms. Correct. Phantoms, yo. Didn't Yo, Affleck, you the bomb and phantoms. Didn't even need the choices, so it's tied again. Uh, your question, Sean. Phantoms what, is good, though. What, according to Wes Craven, does market research suggest people love? Puppies, kittens, monkeys, or rabbits? Uh, oh. Oh, man, I have no idea. I mean, I'm guessing... I'm guessing monkeys because there's a monkey in the film. Correct. Again, and could be wrong. It is oh, monkeys yeah. because Shannon Doxy complains about the fact there's a monkey. And she says, really, Wes? Now you're just being lazy. His response, market research suggests people love monkeys. Uh, final round. <laughs> the movie, Red State. Joe, Ooh. which of the following statements is not true? The film was shot in 25 days. The whole film was shot in sequence. The special effects budget was $5,000. The first draft of the script was dated 1997. Um, The film was shot in 25 days. That was true, but the first script was 2007, not 1997. Sean, let's see if you can get the last question right and then we'll reveal the final score. 
Kevin Smith says he would have dropped the project entirely had which actor not agreed to appear in the film? John Goodman, Michael Parks, Stephen Root, or Kevin Pollock? Uh, Michael Parks. Correct, meaning the final score is 4-2 to the superfan. Sean, congratulations, you've won the game. Awesome, thanks. You're very welcome. Good that job, Sean. We will give you an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt, plus you'll get a Step C ticket worth 27 euros. Uh, we wish you success playing poker online, and hopefully you can find your true calling in life and maybe relaunch your career. It's not too late. You're not even 30 yet. No, not yet, unless you guys got any jobs going on, T-Boy or, well... Well, Whatever. we already employed Joe Stapleton, <laughs> so the position of T-Boy oh, yes. is very much taken. Uh, but, Sean, thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. No worries, guys. All right, guys, that's all the time we've got for this week's show. Next week, we'll be previewing the WCOOP main event. We're finally going to get Sir Frizzy on the blower so we can get rid of Matt's bowling quiz that he went so far as to try to... Um I think he tried to sell them to the highest bidder on Twitter this week. Not being funny, this is really starting to get on my nerves because you were thinking that Freddie was going to be on like two weeks ago. Then he thought he was going to be on last week. Then he thought he was going to be on this week. Meanwhile, Matt's like, when am I going to get to use these questions? We said from the word jump, Freddie's on 21st. Next week, he will be here, hopefully. I apologize for adding to that confusion this week. Uh, also, I don't know if we're going to get a chance to get to it next week or not. But if we do, great, and you'll be prepared for it. If we don't, then you, you'll thank me anyway. Uh, there's this 2 plus 2 thread this week that Jake Cody tweeted about where this guy <laughs> writes a post about how years ago he played poker against the guy, this guy that's at Jonah Hill's character is based on a War Pigs. Yes, I've and been it, through that thread. It is epic. It is fucking hilarious. And so if we're like a little light on content next week, I will write my own version <laughs> of that do. story. Maybe, James, you could come up with one also. <laughs> and if we get good ones from people in the audience, I don't know. Here's what I would say, audience. If it needs to be longer than a tweet, I would say just uh, link us to your post on 2 plus 2 or just like write it in like a notepad. Right. And give us a screenshot of it. And if it's good enough uh, and we have the, the, the room next week, we can read our uh, our Jonah Hill war pigs total whale two plus two thread contributions. I'm not guaranteeing that any and every contribution will be read. They will have to pass a basic quality test. They'll have to be to a certain standard before they're coming anywhere near the actual show. Um, but I will say, please keep the suggestions coming in for a new name for the podcast. And also superfan applications, because after Sir Frizzy, after Freddy next week, no one's booked. So if you want to be on the show, if you want to potentially win a t-shirt and a Step C ticket, if there's a subject you're an expert in, let us know. Hashtag EPTNotLive. And remember to include your chosen specialist subject. Very good. That is all the time we've got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.